0: It's Tuesday, November 29th. I'm Josie Duffy Rice.
1: And I'm Travell Anderson. And this is What A Day, the podcast now recorded exclusively on buy one, get one smart toasters we picked up on Black Friday.
0: Turns out we had the technology all along.
1: It's way harder than using regular microphones, but you know, who can resist a deal? Love a BOGO moment.
0: On today's show, another cryptocurrency lender files for Bankruptcy. Plus, the world's largest volcano is starting to erupt.
1: That does not sound good. Nope. But first... I wanted to go deeper on a headline we mentioned on yesterday's show about the protests that have broken out across China in response to the country's strict COVID lockdown policies. So first, just a note here, COVID is still killing people across the globe, even in our very own country. No, the pandemic isn't over for so many people, even though it might feel like it to you all. Go get your boosters if you haven't already. Go get vaccinated if you haven't already. We're still in a pandemic, y'all. But back to the protests in China. Residents have been taking to the streets and making their discontent with China's quote unquote zero COVID policy known for a few days now. A catalyst for this most recent spate of demonstrations, however, came late last week when an apartment in the capital city of the northwest Xinjiang region caught on fire and killed 10 people and injured nine others. Many folks believe the victims were unable to escape and that rescue efforts were impeded because the building was under lockdown. Now, these lockdowns are how the country has been trying to stop the virus since it first appeared almost three years ago. And we should note that the strict policy was actually applauded at the beginning of the pandemic as it surely saved a lot of lives. But now many are beginning to wonder if the strategy is outdated, especially as the rest of the world seems to have adapted.
0: We're not going to get to COVID zero. That's out the window. But also, this feels extremely harsh for three years into COVID. Can you tell us what these lockdowns actually like entail? What does it mean?
1: Yeah, so they're designed to stamp out COVID infections, right? Hence why they're called Zero COVID Policies. And it involves snap lockdowns of apartment buildings, including makeshift barricades and blockaded emergency exits, all to keep people indoors. The lockdowns are sometimes put in place for whole cities or regions, and there are also lengthy quarantine requirements, as well as a whole lot of testing for residents. In some areas, when just a handful of positive cases have popped up, residents have been forced to test every 24 hours now while this recent apartment fire seems to be the last straw that you know kind of broke the camel's back here it isn't the first tragedy to happen that residents feel could have been prevented or mitigated if these policies weren't in place or as strict there was a four-month-old baby that died in central china earlier this month and her father has said the stringent covid policies delayed her getting the medical support she needed Overall, though, the policies have continued to upend everyday life for China's 1.4 billion residents, while much of the world has returned to some sense of normalcy. And they're also impacting the country's economy, too, which, as the world's second largest, means that an impact on China's economy will have global consequences. And we should note that over the weekend, China reported its fourth straight daily record of new COVID-19 infections. As of Saturday, they had over 300,000 symptomatic cases.
0: That's a lot. They are clearly not getting rid of COVID with this approach. Are the protests like having any impact on the restrictions? Is China backing down? What's going on?
1: So it's really hard to say at this point and we should also note right that the protests on their face it's about the covid policies but the country is very, you know, have a heavy hand let's say when it comes to implementing a variety of things that folks might also be protesting against but what we can say is that these demonstrations especially since they're happening nationwide are extremely rare for the communist led country. Authorities have eased some restrictions in parts of the country in attempt to quell some of the public anger but the overall strategy is still in place. We have been able to see video footage from some of the demonstrations and other social media posts that are critical of the government, and there appears to be a growing call for Chinese President Xi Jinping to resign, which experts are saying is the biggest show of opposition to the ruling Communist Party in decades. Of course, though, the party is trying to control the narrative, in addition to their censors scrambling to scrub references to protest code words and demonstration hotspots online the chinese government on monday blamed quote forces with ulterior motives for linking the deadly apartment fire to the strict covid measures obviously this won't be the last of this story so we will keep y'all updated as more information comes about
0: i love to blame things on forces with ulterior motives (laughs) anytime someone doesn't like my choices i blame that dislike on forces with ulterior motives highly recommend it works Okay, some election updates. Today is officially three weeks since Election Day, but in at least three counties, the GOP remains in a state of denial about the results. Yesterday was the legal deadline for Arizona's 15 counties to certify election results in a process known as the CANVAS. 14 of those counties certified the election, but Cochise County refused This is after, of course, Democrats won major elections in Arizona, including the gubernatorial election, the Senate election and the election for secretary of state. And in Pennsylvania, two counties—Berks County and Luzerne County—did not submit their certification by the state's legal deadline, which was also yesterday.
1: Okay, I thought we told everyone we weren't doing this election denial thing anymore. People don't listen to us. I'm about to say they didn't get the hint. I don't know what it is.
0: If only they listened to us, Travel, <laughs> we could save them a lot of trouble.
1: If only. If only, if only. So let's start with Arizona. Tell us more about Cochise County and why officials there refuse to certify the election results.
0: Yeah. So Cochise County is a rural county in southeast Arizona. It's kind of near Tucson and it's pretty conservative. And it's one of the many places across the country where Donald Trump's lies about the 2020 election being stolen have taken hold. The Board of Supervisors in Cochise County consists of two Republicans and one Democrat, and both Republicans voted to push back certification until Friday. That's what they're saying now. We'll see what happens on Friday, right? Those two Republicans said that they had concerns about voting machines, apparently, even though neither actually cited any issues with the count or the vote. And as Supervisor Peggy Judd, one of the Republicans who voted not to certify the election, said, our small counties were just sick and tired of getting kicked around and not being respected.
1: I don't know mm-hmm. what that has to do with the election results. Correct. Miss Peggy. Pegs. But, right. okay. Right. You're not helping. <laughs> She's obviously not helping and she doesn't want to help. Peggy doesn't want to help. She doesn't okay? want to help. Peggy does not want to help. she does not
0: want to help peggy does not want to help mm
1: Now, I know Arizona has been ground zero for election deniers. Shout out to Carrie Lake. Mm -hmm. I'm almost surprised that it was just one county that refused to certify.
0: Yeah, honestly, the situation is like, it's a mess. But it's true that it was almost much worse. And at least two other counties, county Republicans, threatened not to certify as well. And Navajo County, which is also conservative and rural, Republicans only certified after the county attorney warned them that they could be sued if they didn't. And they were like, okay, fine, we'll do it. In Mojave County, they postponed their certification because of problems they supposedly heard about in Maricopa County. Now, I don't know why Mojave County was trying to refuse to certify because of something that happened in Maricopa, mm. but eventually they also certified. But the Maricopa rumors have been simmering since the early part of election day when a few vote counting tabulators malfunctioned. However, the county addressed the issue provided alternative accommodations for those voters. Everything was fine. And the election administration in Maricopa has made it clear that no voters were disenfranchised as a result of that technical issue. The county attorney has also said that no voters were disenfranchised as a result of that technical issue. And it's worth noting that both the county attorney and the head of election administration in Maricopa County are Republicans. So it's kind of hard to believe they lie about this to benefit Joe Biden. But then again, election deniers... They don't tend to concern themselves with like logic, you know,
1: they don't. They Mm -hmm. actually love that. It doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. It makes them happy. Okay, so what happens now that Cochise refused to certify? Where do we go from here?
0: So we don't totally know yet. It depends on how Arizona chooses to handle it, basically. And according to CNN, quote, Cochise's actions could put at risk the votes of some 47,000 county residents and could inject chaos into the election if those votes go uncounted. God forbid Arizona not choose chaos. Okay, so in theory, it could be really bad. Most likely, the secretary of state will try to sue to force the board to certify the results, which is what the law requires. But although suing the county is to be expected when a county refuses to certify the election, especially if that county doesn't have any specific claims about election fraud like Cochise County, In this particular case in Arizona, it could actually cause more mayhem and would probably only encourage the conspiracy theories that there is something untoward happening. And that's because the current secretary of state, the one who would be suing the county, is guess who?
1: It's our homie Katie
0: Hobbs. That's right. It's Katie Hobbs, the Democrat who won the race for governor and beat out Carrie Lake, even though Carrie Lake has not yet conceded. The Carrie Lake, who is one of Trump's loudest supporters, and a full election denial conspiracy theorist. So the fact that Hobbes is forcing Republicans to certify, I don't think it's going to bring Republicans back to reality. They're not going to be like, oh, okay, then surely there was no fraud.
1: Right. Right. If anything, it's going to, you know, embolden them. Right. I'm sure. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. So tell us about what we're seeing in Pennsylvania.
0: Yeah, so again, two counties in Pennsylvania did not certify their results yesterday by the deadline. In Berks County, less than 100 voters who, according to the Philadelphia Inquirer, are supporters of unsuccessful Republican candidate for Governor Doug Mastriano, have filed petitions for a recount, claiming that votes were switched from Republican candidates to Democratic ones. I don't know how they know about that or, like, Hmm. what they think happened, but election administrators have denied these charges— but county commissioners are claiming that they can't certify the election until these petitions are considered. And in Luzerne County, Pennsylvania, the county board voted on whether or not to certify the election. Republicans claim that there was supposedly a paper ballot shortage that they said may have affected results. Again, there's no evidence of anything affecting results. And of the five commissioners in Luzerne County, the two Republicans voted not to certify the election. Two of the Democrats voted to certify the election, and a third Democrat abstained from the vote.
1: Mm-mm. Mm-mm.
0: I don't know what's going on there. He says on Wednesday he'll certify. He wanted to see if there was election fraud, and then he found out there wasn't any. I'm like, babe, got to do your homework before you get to class. <laughs> <laughs> okay, last thing, Trayvall, worth noting something here. Just how much the election denial theories have shifted, right? At first— the Donald Trump narrative was that Democrats were like stuffing the ballot box. There was voter fraud. Dead people were voting, non-citizens. They let anybody in. My five-year-old was voting. They were packing up trucks, and going <laughs> over the border, right? All the Democrats were voting twice, blah, 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 blah. But now it's sort of interesting, right? The story is that Republican counties are keeping Republicans from the ballot box. Now there's like Republican voter suppression, Like, they switched it up. Ironic. And they think we weren't going to notice.
1: Super ironic, right? Yet another reminder of how important these local and state positions are as well. Yeah,
0: totally. I mean, the uh, Arizona election is in limbo because of two officials in one small county, right? And it's a reminder that local elected officials have a lot of power when it comes to stuff like this. And luckily, the Democratic candidate for secretary of state, And friend of what-a-day, Adrian Fontes, narrowly beat far-right Republican Mark Fincham, so Arizona elections are in decent hands for the next few years. But we know we're going to see more of this as election denial continues, and especially as Donald Trump hits the campaign trail again, so help me God.
1: Abort mission. We don't want it. Abort
0: mission.
1: We don't want it. I've
0: lived this nightmare before. I don't need a sequel. Let's make a new movie, people. (laughs) That is the latest for now. We will be back after some ads. Let's get to some headlines. Headlines. The white gunman who killed 10 black people in a racist mass shooting at a Buffalo, New York supermarket in May pleaded guilty to multiple state charges yesterday. The 19-year-old was indicted on 25 counts, including murder, hate crimes, and domestic terrorism charges. Under New York law, the latter charge carries an automatic life sentence without the possibility of parole. Family members of the victim spoke to reporters on Monday afternoon after the shooter entered his plea. Mark Talley, whose mother Geraldine Talley was killed in the shooting, said this. They say America's national pastime is baseball or America's oldest apple pie. Uh, The truth is racism is America's national pastime. The shooter also faces federal charges which could carry the death
1: penalty. The National Weather Service Storm Prediction Center has issued a warning to the Lower Mississippi Valley today for what they're calling a regional tornado outbreak. Expected to be hardest hit are northern Louisiana and southwest Tennessee, which have been graded as level four out of five for severe weather, while surrounding areas will be on high alert. The storms are expected to continue into Wednesday.
0: And another update from the fake internet money desk. BlockFi one of the first companies to offer loans with cryptocurrency as collateral, don't do that, has filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. The New Jersey-based lender had already been in bad shape for several months after the price of Bitcoin and other tokens plummeted earlier this year. And in a move that seemed like a great idea at the time, it propped itself up with a $400 million line of credit from the impending dumpster fire known as FTX. Now, if you're starting to feel a little sorry for the people who've seen their crypto wallets hit zero, here's the bright side. Peter Thiel, the billionaire tech investor who teamed up with Donald Trump in 2016 and has been working hard to bankroll far right politicians ever since, owned a 19% stake in BlockFi.
1: I love this story.
0: Got to find the silver linings where we can. I love it.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Get our joy where we can get it, okay? Got to shrink that man's wallet where we can. From the artist formerly known as Jennifer Lopez all the way to the WHO, everybody loves a rebrand. The World Health Organization announced yesterday that Monkeypox has been renamed as Mpox. The U.N. Health Agency's recommendation comes about six months after outbreaks of the virus began across Europe and the U.S. Health experts argued the original name was misleading and scientifically inaccurate and that it contributed to racist and homophobic stigma around the disease. The old name will still be used for the next year while Impox is phased in. I just like to note, as we do, that we already knew it was racist and homophobic. We said this... Months and months and months ago, WHO, you are behind. Just going to call it like I see it.
0: It's too late, boo. (laughs) Why did it take so damn long? Hawaii's Mauna Loa, the world's largest active volcano, is erupting for the first time in almost 40 years. Mauna Loa, which means Long Mountain in Hawaiian, has been showing signs of unrest since September. But it wasn't until late Sunday night that shit started to get real. As of yesterday, authorities say the lava flow doesn't appear to be threatening nearby communities, so there haven't been any calls for evacuations. The volcano, which is one of five that make up Hawaii's big island, has erupted 33 times since recording began in the 1800s. But this is Mauna Loa's longest known quiet period since the last eruption took place in 1984. It's a literal go-off queen moment
1: okay yes go off but like you know it's still a volcano and i i I know that the people are safe right now Mm -mm. but a live volcano like what's going on come on now go
0: off queen has (laughs) gone too far
1: In a surprise to no one who watches reality television, gaslighting is the word of the year, or at least according to the Dictionary Slingers over at Merriam-Webster. Searches for the word, which is defined as, quote, "...the act or practice of grossly misleading someone, especially for one's own advantage," increased by 1740 percent this year compared to 2021 the word originates from the title of a 1938 play and then movie about a man who conspires to drive his wife to insanity now of course we use it more plainly like to describe a barista who insists they used oat milk in your latte but you can taste the whole milk come on now Mm -hmm. other top searches on the website in 2022 include oligarch Omicron, Codify, and LGBTQIA. I'm like kind of fascinated by the Codify thing. We've had a lot of like, you know, legislative foolishness going on. Yeah. I guess we've been trying to
0: codify a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah yeah it's been a lot
1: roe v wade Mm. voting rights Mm -hmm. same sex marriage oh my gosh
0: yes this is totally right
1: so maybe people are just like searching to like be you know more politically engaged citizens and like i think that's a positive
0: right even if it's coming because everybody's trying to stomp all of our rights at least people are looking up words keep it up guys (laughs) and those are the headlines One more thing before we go. Crooked and Duolingo, one of the world's most popular language learning apps, have just teamed up to bring you Radiolingo, a brand new limited series podcast. It's hosted by audio journalist Ahmad Ali Akbar and investigates all the ways that language shapes our world, from swearing to subtitles and everything in between. Listen today and subscribe to Radiolingo where you get your podcasts. New episodes drop every Tuesday. That's all for today. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, emerge spectacularly from your quiet period and tell your friends to listen.
1: And if you're into reading and not just dictionary definitions to help you win a fight like me, What well, today is also a nightly newsletter. Check it out and subscribe at cricket.com slash subscribe. I'm Traeville Anderson. I'm Josie Duffy Rice. And, and we, we know, know it, it wasn't oat milk in, in that, that latte. latte. We can taste it. OK, <laughs> don't gaslight us. <laughs> What-A-Day is a production of Crooked Media. It's recorded and mixed by Bill Lance, Jazzy Marine, and Raven Yamamoto are our associate producers. Our head writer is John Milstein, and our executive producer is Lita Martinez. Our theme music is by Colin Gilliard and Kashaka.